adult Sunday school class on Sunday, I thought about the subject of the church, what the church is. Tonight I'm going to be looking at the kingdom of God, and as we get times, its relation to the church. Um, <coughs> growing up in a universal church idea. Kingdom of God was always kind of confusing to me. But anyway, need not be. Matthew 3, verses 1 and 2, it says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And in Luke 16, 16, Luke 16, 16, says, the law and the prophets were until John, since that time the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into it. So what is the kingdom of God? It is a, spoken of much throughout the New Testament. You know, the word kingdom is defined as the power or authority of a king or a realm or a domain of which, you know, this rule or power or authority extends. Uh, so, therefore, the kingdom of God, then, is both the rule of God and the extent of that rule. Now, it, it's called by several names in the Bible. It's also called the kingdom of Christ. For example, in Ephesians 5.5, 5, it says, For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Colossians 1.3, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, hath translated us in the kingdom of his dear Son. And then first, Second Peter 1.11, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So sometimes referred to as the kingdom of Christ, a few times. It's also, particularly in Matthew, referred to as the kingdom of heaven. Um, it's used, when we can prove this, it's used interchangeably with the words kingdom of God in the Gospels. For example, look at Matthew 4.17. Matthew 4.17. It says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And if you go to Mark, and, and you could look at Mark's, we'll just look at Mark's Gospel for sake of time, but it says the same thing, it's talking about the same exact circumstance in Mark and Luke 4, but in Mark 1, verse 14 and 15, it says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. So it's again referring to the same thing. And saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. And in Luke, again, it calls it also the kingdom of God. So, so it, there are several different names. It's called the kingdom of God. It's called the kingdom of Christ. It's called the kingdom of heaven. It's referring to the same thing. Same thing. Uh, so, so we think about the kingdom. Uh, and again, it began, really it began with John the Baptist. Now, I've heard this all my life. John the Baptist was the last prophet of the Old Testament. That's not true. It's not true. Because Matthew clearly tells us that John says 
In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that's what Jesus said. And John preached, and I think we can prove this, John preached the same gospel that Jesus preached. He preached Christ, the one who is to come. And then he said to be baptized. And there was to be repentance before baptism. Jesus taught that too. In fact, he said to the Pharisees, do works meet for repentance. You know. um, so it began with the preaching of John. Again, the, the, the passage I read in Luke 16, 16 says, The law and prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into it. And, and Matthew uh, uh, eleven twelve says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violence taketh it by force. So, John began the preaching of the kingdom, and Jesus, of course, continued it, and we continue that to this day. But let's look at the second thing here. Who makes up the kingdom of God, or who is part of the kingdom of God, or this realm, or this rule of God? Well, as we think about that, it, it must, first of all, it must be entered. And the requirements for entrance into the kingdom of God, of course, is salvation. Look at... Look at uh, 520, Matthew 520. <clears throat> okay. Matthew 520 says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees was outward. They had a show of righteousness. And Jesus said, Inward they were full of dead man's bones. In other words, they were inward they were wicked, outwardly they appeared righteous unto men. But there was no, there was no change of heart. So, so he says, accept your righteousness, exceed that of the righteousness. It's got to be more than an outward show. It's got to be an inward work of grace. In John 3, what did Jesus say? Except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So, in Matthew 3, 18, 3, except you be converted, you cannot enter. So, so to, it, it must be entered, um, you know, and, and that's really, that's salvation. Of course, there are hindrance to it, to, to entering in. You know, Jesus said to the rich man, how hardly it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So, there are the same hindrances. Religion, Pharisees. Um, it must also be received. Hebrews, Hebrews twelve twenty eight. Therefore, receiving a kingdom, um, receiving a kingdom. Well, I didn't, you know. Hebrews eight or twelve twenty eight. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us, let us have grace, where may, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. So again, the, the kingdom must be received. Uh, it's, it's voluntary. You know, I mentioned this the other, the other uh, Sunday morning about the, the servants of God were voluntary. They weren't coerced. They weren't forced into this kingdom into, uh, to, to serve the Lord. And, it, and So there's no coercion. It's simply received. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Uh, we saw here in, in Matthew 3 that the kingdom of God is at hand. 
In other words, it's convenient. It's easily accessible. Jesus, remember, told told the uh, the, the was it the, was it a scribe that answered him, you know, uh, uh, asked him what were the first the greatest commandment, and and the scribe says that when Jesus told him, you know, thou shalt love the Lord with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and as the second was like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, and the scribe said that he answered discreetly. And Jesus said to him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of heaven. So it's at hand. Uh, it's, it's open to everyone. It's not closed to anyone. It's open to all that seek it. Uh, it must be inherited. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians 6. Verse 9, Know ye not, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of, our, of the Lord Jesus, and by the Spirit of our God. So, it must be inherited... And only those who are washed, sanctified, and justified inherit the kingdom of God. And, of course, it requires faith. Um, Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8, verse 10. When he, Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them that followed him, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and the west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, he's talking here about the, the centurion who came and who sent someone to him and said, you know, come, my, my, my servant is sick of the palsy and grievously tormented. And then he said this, you don't have to come to my house. Just speak the word. And Jesus said, I have not seen so great a faith, no, not in Israel. And he said, like these, there will be many like this centurion who will come from the east and west, will set down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those were men of faith. That put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, in the Messiah to come. But then he says, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out. In other words, those who had access to it by birth, Jewish, because they lack faith, cast out. They'll not be in the kingdom. So it requires faith. It cannot be entered any other way but by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So so who enters it is those who are saved, are in the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God embraces service to the king. Um, we, we are to serve the king. 
Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 7. That's what we're here for. We're not here to serve ourselves. We're here to serve the king. Matthew 10, 7 says, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out the devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Ride neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, no script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet stays, where the workman is worthy of his meat. Uh, so, you know, we're here to serve the king. In Colossians chapter 4, Colossians 4 and verse 11, Colossians 4 and 11, it says, And Jesus, who is called justice, who are the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been made a comfort unto me. So Paul goes around, he's preaching the message of the kingdom, and that's the gospel. That's how you get into the kingdom, is by receiving the gospel. And he said, these are my fellow workers. These are ones that are helping me or serving with me to preach the kingdom of God or the gospel. So we're here to serve in his kingdom. Where is it? Well, you know, the church, we mentioned on Sunday morning, the church is visible. The kingdom of God is invisible. Um, Look at um, Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Romans 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. In other words, it's not visible, tangible things or items. But righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. In other words, invisible things. They're real things, but they are invisible. Jesus told the, the, I think it was the Pharisees or the disciples, the kingdom of God is within you. So something with that word, it's in you. It's in you. So it's invisible. It's an invisible kingdom in its present phase. I'll get to that. Uh, and that's the next point. It has phases. Uh, you remember in the, in, in the model prayer, what most people call the Lord's Prayer, but really isn't the Lord's Prayer. It's a model prayer. Jesus says, or Jesus told his disciples to pray, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Is it done in earth as it is in heaven? Right now, Brennan? No. No. But that's what we're, he said we're to pray for the kingdom to come. So that, phase of the kingdom is still yet future. Um, so there is three phases to it. The, the present phase, which is spiritual and invisible and intangible, uh, uh, and it is universal. It's, it's all those that are saved. That's the kingdom of God. Um, uh, so that's the present phase, as, as he mentions here. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Uh, there's a prospective, what they call a prospective phase, where you know he says, "Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth." 
You know, he's talking about the millennial reign of Christ. We, we call it the kingdom of kingdom of Christ. You know, we, we call it the kingdom age, thousand year reign of Christ, and it will be a visible kingdom. He's going to rule and reign on earth out of Jerusalem for a thousand years. He's going to rule with a rod of iron. So uh, that is yet to come, and, and it's that phase. You know, think about it. It's that phase of the kingdom that Peter. And James and John kind of got a, they got a vision for. It. That's what they saw in the Mount of Transfiguration. They got a, they got a, 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 a preview, if you will, of that kingdom. And of course, then there will be a perpetual phase. Um, go to First Corinthians 15, where, and that means the final phase of the kingdom, or, or an eternal one. You know, it, it, um, a couple of weeks ago, and I can't remember now, I guess it was two weeks ago on Sunday morning, preached from Revelation 1, and I talked about, you know, the, 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 there will be a millennium, and then there will be a, or the thousand-year reign of Christ, and then Satan's going to be loose for a little season. Revelation 20 tells us that. And, and then, the, then after that, he's going to, we're going to, he's going to subdue all things, and then it'll be eternity. And, uh, that's the perpetual phase, as he calls it here. But 1 Corinthians 15, 24 talks about that. It says, Then cometh the end, when he shall deliver up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. And that's what we're talking about, eternity future. We'll live with the Lord, we'll dwell, we will dwell with him, and he will be the light thereof, and so on and so forth. Revelation 21 22 describes that for us. So there are three phases, really, to the kingdom of God. The present phase is invisible. Now, how does the kingdom of God relate to the church? Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> Ephesians 2 verse 19 to 22 says, Now ye therefore, now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles' And prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. In whom all the bitly building fitly framed groweth together unto an holy temple in the Lord. In whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So verse 19 talks about fellow citizens with the saints. It also talks about ye are the household of God and are built unto an holy temple in the Lord. Now citizens belong to a kingdom. So, we are citizens of his kingdom. Uh, household suggests a family. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 15. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So, you, you think about, think about uh, uh, the kingdom of God. There's, there's the kingdom of God. There's the family of God. There's the church of God. 
And a temple, or the temple of the Lord, speaks of the New Testament church. It's a picture of the New Testament church. So, so there's the kingdom of God. Uh, there's the family of God. You know, again, the kingdom of God be all those that are saved. The family of God refers to all those that are heaven, in heaven and earth that are saved. And then the church, the New Testament church, as we looked at Sunday, is an organized assembly of baptized believers. Now, they do interrelate, but they are different. Um, for example, differences between the church and the kingdom. The kingdom of God is universal. The church is local. The kingdom of God is invisible. The church is visible. The kingdom of God has no organization. The church is organized. Um, the kingdom of God is entered through regeneration or salvation. The church is entered through baptism. Uh, there's one kingdom. There's many churches. The kingdom of God is a theocracy. You know, God rules over the kingdom of God. A church is a qualified democracy. Um, there are no officers in the kingdom of God. There's pastors and deacons. In a church. There's no ordinances in the kingdom of God. There's baptism and the Lord's Supper in a church. And there's no earthly discipline within the kingdom with the kingdom of God. But the church exercises discipline when needed. So there are uh, distinct differences. And by the way, for example, the Catholic Church, what they're doing is mixing the kingdom of God with the church and trying to make it one. And they say they're the ones that rule over it. Um, but they are also, they are also, the kingdom of God and the church are interrelated in two ways. Go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Verse 19, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. And then I want to look at another verse, John 20, verse 23. John 20 and 23. Where it says, Whosoever... Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. So, according to Matthew 16, and also here in John 20, the church has been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, keys speak of two things. One, authority. The authority of a church makes decisions in matters concerning the lives of kingdom subjects. As seen, look at Matthew 18. Matthew 18. Matthew 18. Where it's talking about discipline in the church. Matthew 18:15 Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. 
But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So here, the you know the again, if if a person is saved, they're a they're a part, they're in the kingdom of God. But God gives the church authority over the subjects of the kingdom of God to discipline those in the kingdom. Who again here, you know, it's obvious that there's there's one that's been disobedient or you know has caused an offense, and if he hears, you know, the church makes you know, and he repents, the church forgives him, and he's re- he's he's he stays in the church. If he refuses to hear, like uh, 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 you know, again, First Thessalonians or Second Thessalonians talks about this, First Corinthians five. If he refuses to hear, then you put him out of the church. You have the, the church has the authority to put one out of the church. Now, you say, does they have the authority to put them out of the kingdom? No, they don't. But out of the church, they do. But see, if you're going to serve God rightly, you're going to be in a church because they've been given the authority. To preach the gospel of the kingdom. So, so the the, sub, the kingdom subjects uh, are subject to the authority of the church. They have the keys. And again, it's like I said Sunday. You know, a pastor doesn't have the authority. It's the church. It has to be a vote of the church. Uh, they have also the assignment. Of the key is to lock or unlock, and and he, as you think about this, if, uh, in John chapter twenty and verse twenty three, he's talking about the 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 gospel is that that unlocks the door of salvation to those who believe. So it's the responsibility or this the assignment has been given to the church to take the gospel into the world. If they re, if they will hear you, you know if they will receive you. Um, you know, they were received into the kingdom, but if not, and it was the church that took the gospel, you know, in Acts chapter 2, you have Jerusalem, you have Samaria, and then they, in Acts chapter 10, they went to the Gentiles. And then, of course, after the persecution, though, they went everywhere preaching the gospel. And those were all came out of the church at Jerusalem. And they start, began starting other churches, and those other churches started sending the gospel out, too. Paul went out of a church. Took the gospel out of the church at Antioch. So, so every Bible-believing Baptist church is a unique, divinely established, and authorized recruiting agency for the kingdom. Again, John 20, 23. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Um, so, so we have, we've been given the responsibility to preach the gospel. Of the kingdom, take the gospel to those that have never heard, and um, um, we've been given that authority by God.
And again, you know, those who try to mix the two, you know, they're not they're not the same. The kingdom of God is invisible. The church is visible. To try and mix the two, you're is 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 what the Catholic Church did. Protestantism done the same thing, not quite to the same extent, but by and large, a lot like it, is to mix government, civil authority, with the church, and then it becomes not voluntary, but forced. Forced. And that's not what the kingdom of God is. It's voluntary. Robert Sargent said this, Those of us who reject any notion of a universal invisible church on the basis of the word of God are not being unloving, nor do we believe Baptists are the only ones who are saved. The truth is that everyone who by faith trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior is immediately, completely, and eternally saved and in the kingdom of God. Furthermore, Everyone that trusts Christ, Jesus Christ, as the Lord and Savior and is subsequently, scripturally, baptized in the New Testament Baptist Church is a true Baptist. Here is a distinction. Every true Baptist is in the kingdom of God. Not everyone in the kingdom of God is a Baptist. Not everyone in the kingdom of God is a Bible believer. Faithful to the word of God. Um, yeah. So... There are people who are not in Baptist churches that are in the kingdom of God. But if we're going to be faithful and obedient to all the commands of Scripture, uh, as the Lord told us to, look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Then we've got to obey all the commands of Scripture, not just some of them. Matthew 5, verse, verse 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, to heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall no wise pass in the law to all be fulfilled. Wherefore, whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And here's this phrase again. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter in the kingdom of heaven. You know, the, 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 the scribes and Pharisees pride themselves in keeping the externals of the law. But they miss the whole purpose of the law. And that was to show them that inwardly, they were wicked and sinners and needed a Savior. They missed part of the part of the law, part of the Word of God. Um, you know, God wants us to keep all His commands, not just some of them. Not just some of them. Uh, he wants us to submit to his will, his way, um, and and be obedient to his word in all his commands. You know, Paul told the, the, the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, he says, I've not 
shun to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. You know, what's amazing to me as, I, as I re, I've read and preached through the book of Thessalonians that he had already talked to them about working. He was never alone. I don't know how long he was at Thessalonica, but he went there long at all. He got ran out of town. And yet he had already instructed, he instructed them concerning the second coming of Christ. He had instructed them uh, about working, not being idle, because he said, I've told you these things. He didn't keep anything that was right and needful. That was a, he didn't keep from him anything that was commanded by God. And we need to be obedient to all his commands. Um, you know, we should endeavor to preach the gospel. But God has authorized, again, the church, churches to give out the gospel of the kingdom and reach the lost with the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It might be we be faithful to do that. But we must not mix or try and make them the same. They're not the same. Um, might God help us to understand these things, we pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for the instruction it gives us. I pray you give us understanding into these things. Help us to be clear. And Lord, to uh, grow in our grace and knowledge of thee. Help us to be faithful to give out the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we might see others saved. That you might be glorified. And Lord, we pray that you just, just uh, praise your kingdom would come. That it would be done as on heaven as it is on earth. Even so come Lord Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name.